Deb H. from Montana says, I love learning to connect with angels and loved ones. Teachings about each angel and loved one. The experience with the angel membership is changing my life. I'm learning to connect with God and my angels. I've always been a healer, but now I know I have help. Thank you, Deb H. from Montana. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host and author, Julie Jancis. And today we're here with William Peters. He is the founder of the Shared Crossing Project, which we're going to dive into today is all about having a shared experience when someone is passing away, that shared experience with the person passing, shared experience with other family members. It's a very, very interesting topic that we really haven't covered here on the podcast. So he's the founder of the Shared Crossing Project, whose mission is to positively transform relationships to death and dying through education and raising awareness about shared crossing and their healing benefits. William is a global leader in shared death studies and end-of-life phenomenon. He assists people who have spiritual experiences related to end of life and after death communication. He's also the author of the best-selling book at heaven's door, what shared journeys to the afterlife teach us about dying well and living better. Wow. William, thank you so much for sharing your time with us and being here on the show today. Thank you, Julie. Pleasure to be here. Oh, okay. I'm so excited to dive in. And I want to start at the beginning so people get a really clear understanding of what's going on here. So you were a hospice worker. You noticed that some people have these shared experiences, which I want you to describe what that actually is for folks. And and how did this journey come about for you? Yeah. So first off, uh, I'll describe or define a shared death experience and then I'll share with your audience how I got into it. So a shared death experience occurs when somebody is dying and a caregiver, loved one, some cases, a healthcare worker, even a bystander will report that they feel like they entered into or accompanied the dying into the initial stages of the afterlife. And this can be experienced through sensing, through seeing, through observing the dying, moving along in this beautiful afterlife. Uh, The phenomena are remarkably similar, if not identical, to the near-death experience. So it suggests that the phenomena that come just after this human life for us as surviving, transitioning souls is the same is the same um, landscape because the NDE people and the shared death experiencers report the exact same phenomena. So the the most dominant phenomena is uh, a beautiful galaxy. You see deceased loved ones, uh, elevated spirit beings, a beautiful light. Uh, there's always this ascension or movement towards the light. Uh, There's the life review. People feel like they have a life review. Uh, It could be of their life with the dying, could be the dying alone. And so these experiences, uh, if there's one term that defines them, it is ineffable. 
The experiencers do not have the words to describe the, the awe, the majesty, the sublime feelings of love and belonging. And, and also, the shared death experiencers, like the near-death experiencers, report a sense of knowing everything. Like there's a sense of understanding for why life is the way it is. What's the meaning and purpose of a human life? And where do you go from here? And all these questions we have about this mysterious human existence seem to get answered uh, with a sense of profound knowing. It's incredible. So as a hospice worker, did you as a hospice worker experience this with people that obviously you knew as a patient, but maybe didn't know as a family member or friend. Did you experience this with some of them? Yeah. So I started volunteering in hospice about, you know, now it was the turn of the century. So 2000. And I was training at that time as a clinical social worker, but I really wanted a chance to be with the dying. I was just, you know, I had two near-death experiences myself when I was 17 in a skiing accident and another one in the ICU when my blood, I, my blood counts crashed essentially. And I became, took on a hemophiliac condition and was very close to uh, drowning in my blood and dying. So I was fascinated by end of life. I had survived. I'd seen, you know, I'd seen the afterlife if you, if you would, and I got, I started working in hospice because I just was real interested in what happens around death and dying. And I wanted to be around it. So I took a job as a, a position as a volunteer, which allowed me to be at the bedside with no uh, healthcare responsibilities for the dying. My primary responsibility was to provide comfort, care, support for the dying and the family members. So I worked at the Zen Hospice Project in San Francisco, a very progressive, Buddhist-informed hospice. And in the public hospital where we worked, there was 24 beds, open ward, old-style uh, hospice, hospital. And that meant that all of the volunteers could be with a lot of people dying. And that afforded a wonderful opportunity to be at the bedside when someone was dying. Well, in my case, to answer your question directly, on an afternoon early in my tenure as a hospice worker, I was reading a book to Ron. I still remember the book. It was Jack London's Call of the Wild. And I'm reading to him. And all of a sudden, I pop out of my body. And I'm hovering above my body, still in the room, in the hospital, kind of up near the ceiling. I see my body. I see myself reading. I can actually observe myself reading. And then I look over at uh, Ron, who's prone in the bed. He's, Ron has been unresponsive for many days, if not over a week at this point. And so that means he's not responding to any communication. He's, he's not opening his eyes. Um, but I look to my right, and there I see Ron with me, alive and well, vibrant, vital, healthy, big face, big smile, eyes wide open. And he's communicating to me, check this out, William. Check this out. This is where I've been. And I was like, whoa. 
So Ron and I had this beautiful kind of telepathic connection. I don't know for how long, but I do know when I returned to my body, I was just continued reading. Then I stopped and I thought, wow, that was something. So I went to go talk to my supervisor, who I loved. He is a veteran of hospice, been doing it for probably three decades when he was with uh, Zen Hospice at that time. And I told him about my experience. I said, hey, I think, you know, you know, Ron, you know, is very close to dying. And I got to tell you, I feel like I was hovering above his body and my body and just like a state of consciousness in a different dimension. And because I was looking down at my body and him, but it was an out-of-body experience. And he kind of, his name was Eric, he kind of looked at me and he said, hmm, very interesting. Sounds like you're between heaven and earth. Uh, a lot of things can happen here. Phenomena, just let it go. And uh, Mary needs you in bed three. It's like, wow. So he didn't really make a whole lot out of it, <laughs> which told me that these experiences were not very well known. And, and they weren't. At the time, there was no label for this experience. Uh, so it wasn't, like I said, until about nine years later when I would meet with uh, Raymond Moody at a conference and he, would, he shared his research on the shared death experience and my whole body lit up and said, oh my gosh, it's a thing. It's got a name. It's got a typology. Although when I talked to Raymond, I asked him, well, how much is really known about this? He goes, I just have stories. I've never really done any significant research. And I said, oh, I want to research this because not only do I know about these experiences, I think I can help people have them. And there's when I started the Shared Crossing Project because uh, my real goal was to give people these experiences. My real goal was if you knew how sublime and how wonderful these experiences are and how much peace you get when you realize that someone you care about who's dying is actually alive and well, and that you'll, you know that you'll see them again, there's no better kind of healing around a death than that. That's incredible. So the closest that I've ever come to hearing about this in three and a half years of running this podcast is um, there were three sisters that we had on the show who talked about how their mom had passed. And it wasn't right when mom was passing, but mom came through to two of them in a dream where mom was in a dream left the dream because mom said, oh, your sister's coming. I got to catch up with her. Then crossed over and the dreams lined up like how the dream looked, they said, and what happened in the dream. And it's almost like they had two parts of the same dream that you could connect as a puzzle piece together. But you're talking about something different. And I wonder if you can kind of describe what it is. What's a typical shared crossing experience? Yeah, great question. By the way, the example you shared would be a shared death experience. Interesting. Uh, I would think I'd have to learn a little bit more about it. But let me give you a little bit more description about what I look for and what my team looks for when we're getting the now hundreds of cases that we receive. And if your listeners have had the shared death experience, we want to encourage them to send uh, their accounts to us at sharecrossing.com. 
you can there's a you go to the contact page and there's a place where you can share it with us. But let me tell you a little bit more. So there are a couple really important features. One is journey. There's a motif of journey. There's so if someone just appears to you, let's just say a loved one's died, and you're you know going to bed, and all of a sudden you sense something in the room, and then you look at the foot of your bed and you see your departed, your newly deceased friend there. And you're like, whoa, you're here. And they and they'll typically say, Yes, I am. And they'll be wearing some clothes that are familiar to you or They'll be younger and vibrant and healed, not at, not as they were when they died, typically. They'll bring their best self forward. And, and they'll give you a message of some type. Usually it's, I'm, I'm alive and well. Thank you. I'll see you again. Or, hey, by the way, you might want to do this. Or I'd be concerned about that. Or if you're looking for uh, the will, it's in the third drawer. You know, th- they give some type of information. Well, we call these post-death visions or visitations. They have a specific purpose, but what it differentiates it from a shared death experience is almost all shared death experiences have a sense of journey in it, a sense that the dying is progressing and moving along towards a destination, which is typically the light. So there's one key feature there, uh, you know, identifying feature the other thing we see about them is that uh, there's this sense of profound love in them. There's just like the experiencer feels intense feelings of love and connection and belonging. And the other piece, which I've already mentioned, is that they have an understanding for everything. The bond is very important between the dying and the experiencer. Typically, there's some sort of deep connection. Now, you may ask, well, William, then why did you have that experience with Ron, who you were working with for a few weeks? Well, the reason why is because Ron didn't have that many loved ones around, and I was the person who was really tending to him quite directly. And with death approaching, he was quite understandably scared. And so we bonded quite deeply in those final days and weeks of his life. So I was that person for him. So, so the bond is quite important. Uh, and then the other ways you tell, as I've already said, this, the ND, the near-death experience features are identical. So that's how you tell. Now, I can give you an example of one. I've already shared one that I had with Ron, but let me give you one that's got a little more texture in it. So this comes from uh, Sonia. So Sonia, and she's fine with me sharing. By the way, Sonia's story is, is, in, is in my book, At Heaven's Door, if you want to read more about her and her experience. So she had a couple of shared death experiences, but the one I'm going to share occurs when she is living in Massachusetts. A good friend of hers, kind of a spiritual teacher of sorts, is dying in Santa Barbara, California. That's about 3,000 miles away, unbeknownst to Sonia. Now, Sonia knows she has a terminal diagnosis. What she doesn't know is that she's dying now, in that moment. Sonia reports getting, walking around her house, and then all of a sudden just feeling incredibly tired, like exhausted at like six or seven o'clock. Her husband comes in and she says, I don't know what's going on, but I just got to lay down. I am wiped out. He says, okay, I'll, I'll take care of the kids. So she goes to sleep 
what deep, deep sleep. And she gets awoken in the middle of the night and she sees Danny out in the distance. And she sees, she goes, Danny, what are you doing here? And Sonia's, and she says, Oh, come with me. And Sonia says, Really? And Sonia doesn't really know what's going on, but she knows that she's there to help Denny. So she starts helping Denny. They get in a boat. They go across a river. They cross over a kind of a desert. They start climbing a ladder. They start moving. And Denny is older and tired, but Sonia's helping her. And they're ascending, and they're seeing a beautiful just solar system that's alive and pulsing with life and beauty and nature. And this goes on for some time. And then eventually they get up to this room and Denny crawls up in this room, if you will, takes a seat and, and, and takes a big sigh and says, ah, oh, I've made it. I made it. And, and uh, Sonia says, oh, wow, there's a party for you here. They're getting ready. And as she listens, she goes, oh, Denny, she's arrived. She's arrived. We have, the dancers aren't quite ready yet. We need to get everything going. And they're scurrying about to basically get this welcoming party ready for Denny. Now, a side point on this is that Denny actually used physician aid in dying, medical aid in dying. So she basically chose to end her life earlier than she would have if she went to natural means because she had a horrible cancer diagnosis that was causing her a good deal of pain. So it's curious as a, from a research standpoint that she seems to arrive a little bit early in the spirit realm, but yet they're rallying and they're ready and she's hearing, uh, Sonia, the experiencer, is hearing all sorts of commentary about Denny and about all how much they love her and how they're going to get the ready and have the best party for her. And Sonia, who does not know Denny's relatives that well, is getting that this is a big party and Denny is the guest of honor. I want to give a big thank you to Jenna Kutcher for recommending me as the top intuition and manifestation coach. Because of her, I'm featured in this month's issue of Goss Magazine. If you'd like to work with me, join my angel membership. A whole new year of content and live events begins January 1st. The biggest impact I've seen is the angel membership has helped countless people move from feeling stuck, grief-stricken, frustrated, anxious, lonely, or depressed to feeling constant support, joy, love, bliss, ease, and peace because it's like they learn the angelic secrets to living life. I've watched so many souls take the tools in the membership and manifest the perfect relationship, the job they desire, or that special something that's been calling to them within their heart. So if your angels have been calling you to join the angel membership, 
That is a message. They're saying to you, hey, we know where you're going and we're trying to help you get there, but you need these tools in the angel membership to do so. If you need a scholarship, friends, a link is in the show notes below. If you want more info and a special promotion, use the link in the show notes to register for a discovery call this week. Don't miss the most transformative year of your life. Angel members, we start a whole new year together as a community on January 1st. Register today at theangelmedium.com. And so at some point soon, Sonia realizes, "Uh uh-oh, I can't stay any longer. If I stay any longer, I'll be caught in the afterlife. And so she says to Denny, I love you. And she even experiences a bit of jealousy because these people get to hang out with Denny, but she doesn't. She has to return. And she returns to her earthly existence. She wakes up right away and she goes, oh, my God, Denny died. Her husband goes, what's the matter? She's sweating. She's angry. She goes, Denny died. Denny died. And she goes, whoa, 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 why? How do you know? She goes, I was just with her. She just died. And as it turns out, Denny had died right along that about that time in California uh, in the early evening. And Sonia was in Massachusetts. But this is a remote SDE. About two-thirds of our shared death experiences happen Remotely. That means not at bedside, not in the room. This is fascinating. Um, I'm trying for the life of me to remember the name of the book that I probably have on my bookcase behind me. But there was a gentleman, I'm sure you've heard of him, who was more of like a hypnotist who would walk people to the other side. And he had thousands upon thousands of accounts when he walked people to the other side. I can't remember what his name is or the book is. Um, They're so much the same though. They were all similar. So when you have been collecting these stories and talking to people about shared crossing experiences, do you find the same thing? Like that there's parallels, there's similarities, that there really isn't people deviating far from the norm. There's a process to this as we cross over to the other side and they're talking about the same process. Yeah. So what I call that is the pattern. Mm. There are a series of very clear patterns. And that's basically what our research has picked up. And so some of the patterns I can give to you is uh, through this, the research. About 51% of our experiencers report seeing the dying seeing the dying, like not sensing, not feeling, actually with their eyes, seeing the dying, and they see the dying in the afterlife, or what we presume afterlife being that state that's outside of the human body and in another dimension, which is euphemistically called the afterlife. Now, is that seeing with their mind's eye or actually like opening their eyes and seeing the person physically in front of them? Great question. I think most would say the mind's eye. Okay. Yeah, the mind's eye. Um, But it's a visual field. It's just that they're seeing them. Now, one of the other ways to ask this, are you just kind of seeing this in your imagination or are you seeing it out in front of you? 
we get both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and in that dimension, I think it it's just so different. I don't I don't know if there are if it's it's possible to compare very well to the to the, our you know sensory experience of seeing in this realm. Sure. But they do define the people often as younger, life size, and they recognize them clearly. Yeah. That's fascinating. So what other parallels or patterns have you found? So another pattern is that we see elevated beings there. Uh, so that means those people, those beings that appear can be guides. Uh, there's a particular type of being there that I have called the conductor. Mm-hmm. This is a being that seems to appear that has the responsibility of transitioning a human, a soul from a human body into the afterlife. And there's, that's their job is mm-hmm. to conduct this very important and perhaps even sensitive movement of a human consciousness into an afterlife. And so the conductors uh, come in different forms. They can be big beings. They can be beings of light. They can be, some of them are known loved ones who are of stature in the family, like maybe a grandfather or a revered uncle. So they're recognized as, you know, an authority figure in the afterlife. Sometimes the conductor is felt but not seen. You'll hear this. Some some experiencers will say, I just felt like there was somebody in charge of the whole process and we were just responding to instructions. In that case, if you ask them, hey, did you see like there was a being there? They'll, they'll often say, oh, I definitely felt some presence, something guiding this whole experience. So that would be a conductor, but it would be unseen, invisible. Fantastic. That's amazing. Do do people talk about angels as well? Like when they cross over, seeing angels, yeah. angels on the other side, the roles of angels? Yeah, so we do get reports of angels. That's one of the most common type of elevated beings, elevated spirits that shows up, angelic in form. And they can be, you know, I think just a few weeks ago, we heard one where there was this being of light, but it had kind of white wings that flowed off. It didn't really even have a head, but the person said it was like an angel. It was like an angel. And some of this, you know, in in our society, within in the entertainment industry, they take all of the stuff that we're talking about right now, right, and make it so scary. Like the mm-hmm. being that you were talking about before, who kind of helps facilitate the. I would say graceful, gentle process of the soul lifting out of the body and the consciousness moving from the human being, human body to the other side. That That's a shocking, jarring process. They make it out to be this reaper, you know, like bad, bad thing, but it's not. It's not whatsoever. It's the most gentle loving presence and as well as angels no matter what form they take does everybody always talk about that too just how much love is felt as they encounter these beings yeah love 
and sublime feelings are the substrate of this dimension. They just describe feelings like they've never had here. The, the most divine, heartfelt sense of belonging, love, appreciation, gratitude, compassion, uh, all of these beautiful uh, human emotions, they feel there exponentially. Amazing. So yeah. I have to ask you this. I know it's a huge question, but if you can boil it down, you've studied this for so long. You've looked at hundreds, thousands of stories, and I'm wondering what your take is on this question. What's the purpose of life? Well, I mean, I'm increasingly leaning towards life as a school this notion that we come here to learn lessons, to evolve, to develop virtues like patience, kindness, maybe develop a certain skill that you can share with others. Yeah, I think it's, I think we all have our own individual curriculums, which are very important to recognize. It's a school, but you can't have somebody studying how to be a nice guy and you can have someone else studying you know, how to be, how to save the planet with climate change. Uh, and some people are just here to care for an infirmed, you know, child. And some people are here to learn how it is to deal with the death of somebody, maybe even a, a sibling that's very painful. And so, yeah, the human incarnation is, in my estimation, a learning experience. It's a great experiment. Experiment. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. Talk to me more about the karmic life review, because this is something that comes up so often in sessions and can be very, very emotional for a healer to bring through messages that came through in a person's karmic life review. It kind of ties in two pieces that you've talked about where there is this ultimate knowing all at once on the other side but a lot of times spirit will talk about having to go through the karmic life review and having to step into the body of people that they've hurt and experience for themselves the pain that they caused and every time they do this they show me this circle like it's coming full circle so any negativity pain harm that we cause here we have to take it back within our own beings mm. and work through that energy ourselves and and it's so fascinating because what I talk about in my book and what I've seen so many times is it's almost upon crossing over to the other side, the soul has omnipresence. So the soul can split and go into so many different ways at the same time. I feel like part of us goes directly into heaven, the other side, part of us goes into our life review. Talk to us more about the life review that you've seen and what it entails. Great question. So there are three types of life reviews. There is uh, the, the experiencer can observe a review of his or her life with the dying. So that can be a whole kind of, it's almost like comes in different ways. It can be like a video playing to you, or it can be snippets of your life, but really rapid fire. And the kind of, it goes on for many minutes or it can go on for many minutes. We don't even know how much time gets a, a, a eclipsed in these, but it feels like a lot of time and earth time. 
Um, so that's the first time a life review or life review between the dying and the loving family member. Second type of life review is just the experiencer observes the life of the dying and they are not in it. So there's the second type. And the third type is that the experiencer has a life review of their own life. We don't see that very much, but man, when we do, that is an eye opener. So I just talked to a gentleman who had that happen and it was the wildest experience I've ever heard of. But Ricky, uh, Mena, we had him on on Halloween 2022. He had this dream, went to sleep one night and met up with his grandma on the other side. I believe she had recently passed. And he said his grandma started showing him on this huge, huge screen, this man dressed up as Spider-Man going through hospitals and cheering up kids, you know, working with children. And then he saw all of these thousands of kids looking up at the screen and just being so filled with hope and love as they were watching this too. And he turned to his grandma and he said, who's the person, who's the Spider-Man? And she said, you are. And he said he woke up and knew that that was his life, knew that that was his future, and went out and make that made that his life's work. Yeah, well, these life reviews uh, can be quite profound and transformative. So what you just shared is something we hear quite a bit. Um, and, and the life reviews are typically of lives in the past. We do have some that show some possibilities in the future. But uh, mostly they're, li they're life reviews and yeah. they're very, very profound. They don't go away. They're not like a movie that you forget about. You know, I had a, a big vision come to me when you were talking about this earlier, too. And I think some healer listening needs to take this on as their like piece of expertise. But there needs to be a type of business expert out there, a healer who could could facilitate just like you facilitate a shared crossing experience facilitate a shared life review because when you walk through someone else's life review and realize just how much they are sorry for all of the things that they did here or you see the bigger picture that um, I know when my dad passed I recognized for the first time the part that I had played in us not talking mm. I think that can be some of the biggest ultimate healing that comes through you are correct um, we get taught a lot of karma in our life reviews about how our actions impact others, how other act, others' actions impact us. We realize the ripple effect of our actions. I remember a life review being shared to me that a woman uh, whose mother was dying, as she was dying, she, she saw, the, this experiencer saw her own life and how she had harmed other people through, you know, not so kind of gossipy um, behavior. And she saw how that rippled through her community and, and, and harmed a lot of people with that unnecessary, painful talk about each other. 
So there's an example of karma, a lesson in the life review. It's incredible. I love that. Um, I'm, I wanted to have you also share with us some of just the most profound stories that have really touched you that make you go, I know, like, I know, like, I know this can't be anything other than the other side. Yeah. Well, I had one where a man came to me and said that shared this story. He was driving home after a long week's work and he knew his father was not doing well and in the hospital, but he had no idea his father was going to be dying. So he's in the, in the car and all of a sudden he says he finds himself with his father and in a beautiful, in an afterlife. And he says his father is confused, doesn't know what he's, where, what's going on. And this man um, says, dad, I can help you. You've died. He goes, what? I've died. He goes, yes, you've died. Turn around and let's go to the light. And so he orients him and out in the distance, there's a light, but his father is too old and too tired. So his father collapses. And in this case, his name is Mark. Mark picks him up and carries him upwards, ascending to the light. Mark just knows to go to the light. So he starts going to the light. And then all of a sudden out of this light steps his father's mother, who comes to him and says, you've made it. You've done wonderful work. I've died, as you know, but they embrace. There's a huge feeling of love. There's this whole reunion. And then his uncle also shows up, who he's very close to. And there's this group hug and, you know, acknowledgement. And group hug doesn't give it justice. It's just a complete just feeling of euphoria and, and, and joy sweeping over your body. And so then my friend here, this is Mark, he stopped. He realized there's a boundary that he could not go over. And that was it. He just could not go over the boundary. And so he turned and came back to his life. I love that. I love all of the stories that you've been sharing. They're just so wildly fascinating. Thanks. I yeah. And I love the work that you're doing too, putting this all together as a project and as a book and just all of the research that you're doing. When it comes to teaching other people, because you teach other folks how to have these shared experiences, how long does that take? Does it take people a while? I know when I'm teaching, some people are starting at like A and some people are starting at H and some people are starting at M. Um, people come to you with a vast array of different spiritual experiences already. How do you kind of walk people through this experience and, and how long does it take? Great question. So there's a lot of different ways to do it. If I'm working individually with a person, a couple or a family, that's typically more expeditious, but yeah, I can do, uh, you know, a, a person dying and their uh, loved one. I can work with them and probably in a few hours, you know, maybe over a couple, three sessions, we can really get them ready to go. It totally depends. If people have a good relationship, it's easy to work on, but usually there's three parts of the, of the shared crossing pathway training. One, teach people or at least raise their awareness that these end-of-life experiences happen, that these profound end-of-life experiences are available to all of us. We just need to 
be receptive and clear and loving and and not everyone has them, but enough of the people do have them. So there's that. That's part one. Part two is these beautiful trainings, these exercises where you can deal with your regrets, to have compassion for yourself, have uh, a sense of gratitude for the life you're living. Uh, you work through all of this, all of your life, and you do a, your own life review, actually, and see where you've harmed yourself and harmed others and work to a state of forgiveness and in forgiveness that opens to appreciation for the gift of life. And then we go into the next step of really choreographing your death. And that's a big part of what we do, which is uh, why the program is, you know, so sought after and so unique is that we choreograph people's death. Now people don't know how they're going to die, but you can certainly choreograph your mind state to it. So and so the first thing we do is we have, you know, everyone in the room state to their partner and take some time and say, I know I'm going to die. I acknowledge I'm going to die. And I thank you for the time that we've had together. I love you. And now I'm going. So you practice dying before you actually die. And that's really important. It's a type of simulation that really frees up your heart, mind and soul to start traveling right then. Um, it's interesting how profound it is. And then the last thing we do is we teach these protocols that enable the dying to stay in contact with the surviving loved ones so that they can bring them into the afterlife with them. And that's the, that's the most important piece right there, I think, is that if you can bring a loved one into the afterlife, or if you're a loved one and you can see your departed loved one um, in the afterlife and you see that they're well and good, then you've, you've got total relief. And that's what we see in the research. Our shared death experiencers have so such a better, uh, a better, better time with a grief and bereavement. They just don't have the same level of loss. Mm -hmm. I just had on recently uh, author Stephen Taylor, who is a um, world-renowned expert in spiritual awakening, and he talks a lot about how understanding or kind of contemplating your own mortality can bring you into spiritual awakening instead of having to go through spiritual awakening through yeah. turmoil or painful experiences. Um, I wonder if having a session like that and you're not at your end of life, but you go through kind of coming to terms with it and saying goodbye can also bring people to spiritual awakening as well. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, Scott Taylor, who's a colleague and friend, he runs a wonderful program. I think sensitizing yourself to the fact that you're going to die, everyone you know is going to die, and what's the most prudent behavior or strategy knowing that? Well, it's preparation. And our culture is rather death adverse, so not many people do it, but our programs are set up to do that. And we think we're delivering people the best death we know about, but you know, people do our groups who don't even, they say they want to do the shared death experience, but what they find out at the end of it is, yeah, now I know how to have it. But more importantly, I've done all this work and cleared out myself emotionally. And now I feel so much at peace about my life. 
and I don't need to die right now. I'm fine. I want to live as long as I can. Um, and so that's very transformative. The whole trainings are very transformative when they open you up to the reality that you're going to die and give you some connective tissue for how to do it. Incredible. You know, this is the shared death experience. So I'm going to just guide you through the phenomena that you will be experiencing in your own mind. And it's a journey of sorts. And it's one that we'll all take. Uh, and this is just one that all, you know, a relatively short one. But what I'm going to invite you to do now is just close your eyes. Uh, those of you who are familiar with guided visualizations know that all you have to do is follow along with my words. It's very safe. Um, you know, you're going to just have this experience and then you're going to open your eyes, come back into this waking reality, and um, hopefully you have a profound experience. Perfect. So to draw on a few breaths, get comfortable. It's only going to take a few minutes. To be clear, this is not an actual shared death experience. This is, you know, a, a guided uh, visualization, something that's going to be happening in your own mind, kind of a type of imagination. So I want you to take a moment to think of somebody who has died in your life uh not so much recently but maybe more in the past and someone who you were kind of close to so obviously a parent would be good um you know some some elder someone who hopefully died within the natural course of life um i just it's easier when you don't have uh, a, a large either traumatic or large grief response to the person at this point in time doesn't mean you don't have feelings for them just we don't want something acute that that could get uh, triggered in the exercise. So to make that selection now, someone who's already died, the way in which they died is totally unimportant because we're going to be reimagining it anyway. Okay, with that person now in your mind's eye, I want you to imagine them on a bed, in their bed. This bed will become their deathbed. And you're alongside them. And you're just, you know that their end is very close. And you're holding their hand. You know, they're very tired is the dying. And their eyes are shut. And you realize that that they could be dying at any moment. And then all of a sudden, you feel a whisk of energy move through you that's kind of like a bolt of energy. And you realize that you're now somehow in another time and space. You're not in the room anymore. You're in this beautiful kind of galaxy that's hyper alive. It's a beautiful natural landscape. And as you look to your left, you realize, hey, wait a minute, there's my friend who was dying, but now I see that they're alive and well, and they look healthy, and they're moving forward, and I'm just going along with them. 
And then all of a sudden, my friend encounters a group of people that he or she really knows very well. And they embrace and they are telling your friend or your person, welcome home. You did it. You lived such a full and marvelous life. And now all that's behind you. Welcome home. And your friend or whoever your significant other is here who's died is ecstatic. They're feeling love and belonging and peace and joy. And they start moving along and you see in the distance a beautiful pinprick of light that's radiating, radiating outwards. And you notice that these people are moving towards that light. It's your significant other who's just died is moving in that direction. And this group of spirit beings, these kind of deceased relatives are moving. And at the same time, you realize there's also this larger spirit being that seems to be hovering above, kind of visible, kind of not, but seems to be managing all this, seems to be, in a certain sense, in charge, providing enough uh, guidance and support for the person dying, your significant other, to make this big transition towards the light. And so you are now observing, observing, you're feeling the love, you're feeling the awe, you can't believe this is happening, your heart is opening, you're getting information about the meaning and purpose of life, everything makes sense now, you understand your human incarnation, you understand that this is where you'll go to, and then in a moment, even though you're moving forward with your departed, departing uh, significant other, you realize, oh my gosh, I can't go any further. And so you realize that you've come as far as you can. And your significant loved one looks back at you and says, thank you. You give an energetic embrace, a smile. Your loved one is moving towards that light, which is now bigger up in the sky, if you will. And then poof, in a moment, you are back in the room sitting at the bedside. The body of your significant other, your loved one, is there in the bed, but it is now lifeless. And you ask yourself, wow, did I just go to the afterlife with my loved one who's now dead? And so just take this in, take this in, and just sit with it. What do you make of this type of experience? Is this possible? Have you had one? If you've had one, let us know as we are collecting and documenting these lovely shared death experiences. So that's it. That's beautiful. And I think what's incredible about it too is it's a way for, um, you know, my, my dad passed from a heart attack. He was, uh, hiking in Colorado and it wasn't like we could get to him in time. And, uh, we didn't even know there are a lot of people who can't be there. And I think that this, 
was just such an emotional experience to go through for myself because I wasn't there at that time. And walking through that by his side uh, was just so beautiful to get to connect with him and his soul as he moved over. Very beautiful for other people to get to do that as well. Beautiful. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that with your father. I mean, that is a really touching experience, as you know. It's just so empowering. And even though I'm sure you you heartbroken, or I mean, I don't know your relationship with your father, but you know, um, if if you had a loving relationship, and even if not, um, you know that he's in a good place and that and that allows you to feel really confident that that he's alive and well in the, in, in the, in the heaven, if you will. So I love it. William, thank you so much for being here. Um, let people know where they can find your um, Shared Crossing project, if they have stories that they want to share with you, and where they can find your book as well. Thank you. So yeah, sharedcrossing.com is where you can get information about the Shared Crossing project. And then my book, At Heaven's Door, is available really wherever books are sold. And I want to encourage you to consider seeing more of these cases. The story library at the, at the at our website has some more of these stories. But really, the book uh, has 28 of the best stories that uh, I've culled in my now almost 10 years of doing research. So I think you'd, your viewers would find that. And then really, you know, talk about these. And if you can come to, if you've had a story, come to our website, Go to the contact page, contact us, and and submit your story there. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. I love it. William, thank you so much for the work that you're doing in the world. Thanks, Julie. I so appreciate you taking the time to have me as a guest today. Beautiful soul, thank you so much for joining me today. My name's Julie. You know I'm all about connecting you with messages from your angels and loved ones on the other side. If you've been listening today and you're super excited and just have to know which angels are around you right now, who's connecting with you, and what messages they have for you, go to theangelmedium.com. Register for a session. You can do a reading with me or a member of my team. We're all incredible. We all talk to angels daily, and we can help you in making sure that your angels are doing the very best they can to support you and guide you to your best life. If this sounds like you, virtual sessions, they're only offered on my website. Sign up today. And if you're the person who's really excited, you're ready to go all in developing all of your unique spiritual gifts, growing your intuition, starting your own healing business, you can sign up for my Angel Reiki School to become a certified angel messenger. That's for the healers among us who feel called to grow their intuition to the max and serve humanity with their gifts. You'll learn Reiki, mediumship, how to deliver angel messages, and how to get clients. That's the Angel Reiki School at theangelmedium.com or DM me on Instagram at Angel Podcast with any questions. Before you go, connect with your angels by placing your hands on your heart. Take a deep breath. Imagine a doorway filled with God's unconditional love is right in front of you. 
Step into that love and feel it as it fills your body, chakras, and auric field. Now ask your angels, what would you have me know today? And open yourself to the positive, loving messages they have just for you.